0: The doctoral program is a key phase in the journey towards becoming a professor. How does one choose the right program for oneself, given the enormous variety of programs, contexts, and countries in which they exist? About this and many other important topics is this conversation with Matthias Todell in this episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Bochkowski. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid Bin Khalif Al-Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nosas historias, estas son nuestras historias. Welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I am thrilled to have with us today, Matías Dodel who's an associate professor at Universidad Católica in Uruguay. Matías did a BA uh, in Sociology at Católica at the same time that he did a BA in Psychology at Universidad de la República. Then he saw the light and continued just in sociology with a master's degree from Universidad de la República and then a PhD again, in sociology at the University of Haifa in Israel, working with the incomparable Gustavo Mesh. He is uh, an expert in the areas of information society, public policy, issues of cyber safety. For the past several years, he has become one of the leading experts in Latin America on issues of kids and digital media. He has many publications and is part of a global network that studies uh kids and uh kids online uh, led by sonia livingston is probably the main reference uh at the global scale on all issues having to do with how children have been adopting digital technology and what this means for our lives so welcome to el cafe latinx matthias thank you very much for having me here our pleasure my friend so how did it all begin for you that is how was the start of the journey that led you to become a professor okay it probably began
1: in high school when i had to in uruguay you had to choose really really young if you want to do like a science related career or like humanities related and i always like both i like technology and i like social issues and I think I have to thank two prof, two, like teachers, but they were actually professors. That I, they like taught like professors, not teachers. I love them. Most of my friends did not. Uh, history with the history teacher Cecilia Perez and philosophy and sociology teacher Monsenor, and they they kind of made me realize that I always wanted to understand human behavior, and, and that's that's for me like. I always like, as a, like, I like to get a chance and I thought that I wanted to be an archaeologist, but then I, I realized what archaeologists do every day. And I understood that I didn't like to clean like all things in the desert. But then I began to like, I knew from relatively early that my passion was to do research related to human behavior. And as in Uruguay, we don't have a lot of, of, lot of options. I wanted to, I, I thought from like, from really young that you need to understand the psychological and the social parts of, of human behavior. So I didn't want to choose, <laughs> and I did two BAs, and I, I didn't like. They're they completely different. Like, I didn't have one, like uh, one thing in common in in Uruguay. Like psychological, like the psychology BA is really clinical, and kind of dated in some things. Not like really science based and science friendly. Not everything, but. Uh but I had I was really lucky to study sociology with like some people that had like similar frameworks and like concerns about public policy, digital inequality, sorry, sorry, not digital, social inequalities. And there were like Cepal students. I like I I went into a research center with there were Carlos Figueira, Fernando Figueira, Ruben Kazman, and younger generations. And then I I finish psychology because I tend to finish the things I do, but uh, I, I feel myself like a social scientist, a sociologist, Th- that's the beginning. But then when I, why I went into the digital media field, that's a different story. I always liked technology, uh, as I told you, and I, I love video games. I was kind of nerdy in my early years, more so than than most of my friends uh i always have like scientific curiosity and really m- my first academic law wasn't technology was social psychology but like not pichon riviera group psychology like north american one like the one that mixes like social theory with psychological theory but in in uruguay i think in in El rio la plata there are not a lot of things like that so And I my BA thesis was on conversion. I used like Snow and Caitlin Blee, like idea of like ideological conversion, really social psychology. But I understood that if if I didn't want to migrate to the north, like I had to do something that's more like I could live from this in the south. I really love technology. And I applied to several shops, like one in. Health inequalities in the MSP, the National Health uh, Ministry, and another one in the AGESIC, It's the National e Government and Information Literacy Information Society Agency from the Uruguayan Presidency. I got in there. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I, I had a lot to to contribute to public policy in Uruguay. You are really, you can't. It's like it's a shorter path to public policies. What some friends, uh, like scholarly friends, we discussed you have a really shorter path to be able to make a difference in public policy. I had an amazing boss, Cristina Subichaga, and I was able to really design the first national statistical office official ICT survey. And I started to read and in my MA, my supervisor was Tabaré Fernández. He's not a digital media guy. He's a education inequalities, but I kind of negotiated with him and I told him, I am sure that digital variables could add, explain variance to digital inequalities. And after that, it's like, I went full into the field, but coming from poverty studies and social inequality studies, I kind of, I like to, to say to people that are not from digital media, that if you understand this phenomenon, this new phenomenon, you will be able to, I am more quantity uh, quanti guy, but to all, and next like 12 more explained variants because of the effect of how digital technologies impact other stuff i don't like to to use digital media as a dependent variable as, as a dependent variable. more than anything as in an independent variable how digital media impacts like childhood safety education inequalities uh, e government government interaction with with the citizens to don't like to don't be to don't get bored i try to change my dependent variables.
0: Okay, and so that, that was the encounter of digital media. And then what led you to do your PhD in Israel? How was the journey towards your PhD? Did you consider multiple countries, just that one country? How, how did you end up deciding? And how was the experience of being a Latin American student in Israel? Okay,
1: it's a, we were discussing before the, the small world thing. Uh, I have several friends in Israel. I went to... A, the wedding of one of them uh, by myself because I wasn't able to go with my, at that time, my girlfriend. And I had some days off and I was recently like finished my BA in sociology. And in Israel, everyone says that the the big university is the, the La Ibrea, the Jerusalem University, the Hebrew University or Tel Aviv University. And I went there and I didn't like at the Hebrew University what they they sold me on the PhD it was really old school, like. Uh, but they told me there's some some Latin, um, some Latin guy in the Haifa University. I never knew about that. I went to Tel Aviv. There was an Argentinian one. The one an Argentinian woman. I don't remember her name. She didn't study digital inequalities, but she told me there's a really there are really two good guys in Haifa: Ilan Talmud and Gustavo Mesh. And okay, let's go to Haifa. I went there. Gustavo was incredible. I think he meets Latin people. There are there are a lot of Latin studies and we were able to, to talk in in Spanish and really I didn't know but we were really on the same track of how to think about social and digital inequalities. Uh, it was like after that I talked with him and I went to Uruguay. I got the job this in the e-government agency and I decided to it's a really good show. I had to do my MA locally and after I finished, I started to think about the PhD. I knew I want to go like go to the world and return to my country. I think you can see the difference in social scientists that have some experience like abroad and return market. They they, are, they kind of work and think differently about social issues. And in my like in the Universidad Católica, the people who actually taught me social sciences were this kind of they studied in the US and came back or went to Colombia or, or like or Europe. And, it's a style of doing social research that I really love. And I contact again Gustavo. I know if you remember me and he told me that, yes, I had like, I, I had a, I was really sorry, expression, about dumb because I want, I was searching PhDs in information society. And that's really bad because that's not the keyword term to see, to search for PhDs in the field. I found that really afterwards. I, I. I I've never had a like a communication field or communication sphere, and you know that like communication PhD had like were more prone to this. Gustavo referred me to to you, Pablo, in Northwestern. I love the OAI in Oxford. I read a lot about like of the work. Gustavo also contacted me to with Bill Dutton, uh, and to to have an interview. I also consider the of Alberta of Catalunya, they have a like an online kind of information society PhD. And there was a guy, I really liked her, his work, Peña Lopez, I think is his is not like, I think it's more like, he's more in public policy, but it was and and then I thought that there were no more options, literally. It was a really big mistake because uh, it's a it's a problem when you use the bad like keywords to search for programs. But the thing is, in, in Uruguay, and I think also in part of the country, communication like BAs are really different. They are not research focused. There was no one doing like this type of research uh, in, in, my, in both universities. And also the other people who were doing research in Uruguay in social science, they had another approach that I wanted to do something mythological. I a more um, quantity approach. And really, I thought that those were my only options. <laughs> It's crazy, but really, you need to grow the, the scope of like keywords that when you search for PhDs, that's, a, I think in, in info stocking, like in digital media, there are co- like different communities, ICT for this, a specific community that they don't speak with the other ones, digital inequalities, digital media, a communication studies. Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of did a, like a, a a chapter in a book, like talking about this, like it's a really confusing field because there are a lot of people from different Fields, talking the same thing with different words or using the same words to say different things. OK, so for my PhD, it was a mistake. I wanted to go to Oxford. I had a really nice interview also with you. The thing in the US, the, the doctoral programs are really heavy on time and, and intensity. And I was with my, at that point, my wife. And we she didn't want like a five, six, seven year kind of stay. Uh, we went to oxford she didn't like oxford like the climate that's i i don't know why that was uh uh i know i know no go like after we had really like we had, she had a, a cousin of a cousin and he, he was amazing but she didn't like oxford and also this potential supervisor after i read gustavo i do Gustavo, i want to to do this with you that that's the that's the things I want to do. I read some paper of, of his preparing, like the declaration of intent. And he was like doing social inequalities, social inequalities in a digital setting. Uh, Gustavo was, I think, if I had, I was really lucky to get to bump into people that were really, really good people and helpful people in Uruguay with this center Ipes, uh, Juan Bogliaccini. Uh, Santiago López, uh, sorry, Santiago Cardoso, uh, um, Paula Alegre, that she, he's not alone with us. And a lot of people, Majo Álvarez, that, that were really, there's a culture in social science in Latin America. It's really like, not really friendly. And I always bump into people that try to elevate me. Don't use me as like, don't pay derecho de piso or barre el piso. And Gustavo was a, a other, I think one of them the, he gave me a lot. He gave me the interviews. I wasn't even considering Haifa, but a lot of people told me you need to seek a PhD supervisor. It's more important that, than than the program if you want to do a like a more European like PhD. And after I, I I I like really like what Gustavo wrote, and we had another interview. He read my MA thesis. I think if you do an MA, you need to know that the tribunal will read your thesis, and no one else. And no, it's it, it, also your BA thesis. Is, it's even worse. But uh, and Gustavo read all the thesis, and he really liked it because I think we, we kind of had a similar approach to to think social inequalities in digital setting. And actually, uh, he helped me a lot in Israel. The thing is, when you need to translate your certificates and your thesis to Hebrew, it's it's expensive to official translating. But like supply and demand, uh, it, it's more expensive in Hebrew and uh, Gustavo kind of said okay no I read this and he's he's okay and um, in Haifa not in their university but in Haifa, in Israel they have a Latin kind of middle like uh, how do you say in English this this one one person Asher Kornblau that he's in charge of making Latin people easier all the like uh, all the procedures and administrative stuff like in the our big crisis 2020, 2001, 2002, 2003. There were lots of Argentinians people that went like migrated to Israel due to economic reasons. Some Uruguayans too. But it was a huge crisis, and their administrative procedures are kind of complex. Israel is Middle East, even if sometimes people think it's like a, a Western country. It's Western plus Middle Middle East, and uh, like you need to fight more for like for the norms. And Asher was amazing they made me really easy the process of like getting into university. I got a scholarship to work with Gustavo, uh, my wife like more Israel and Haifa. We both have some family that are not in Haifa, but she, I pushed her to do uh, an MBA at the university of Haifa. And it wasn't my A plan, but it was what I, what I got that I really got a lot from, from the PhD. I think Gustavo was a, a really important part. So my advice is look for supervisors, also perhaps for previous students or or someone who knows that that people, if not you are going to end like PhD comics and PhD life that I I had the the, like the bad PhD experience with thesis but I never have a bad PhD experience with my supervisor. And I also like, he really helped me to, to create more networks. Like being in a Latin American scholar, if you don't have networks outside, it's really difficult, but I got, I got into like a LSE and kids online network. They also, not only from Gustavo, this is a small world. Ellen Helsper was a really integral part on that. I met her at a, at a world internet project meeting, but she also knew Gustavo and also the ASA American Sociological Association network. So in my case, I had a really good experience with the supervisor. And the university really helped me. And I also was able to return to like to finish my PhD while also trying to return to Uruguay because like, I academic mean, positions are there are a lot and it was really helpful for me.
0: And so you always knew that you wanted to go back. You, you, you never had a doubt about staying in Israel or going to another country that was not Uruguay? That's a difficult question. <laughs>
1: uh, Okay, I know that the the global North has really better paid positions, and you have better chance of you are recognized academic or scholar. And uh, the thing is, I was already married. We were planning to have children, and Uruguay, particularly Montevideo, and in certain like neighborhoods and certain like socioeconomic level, is a really good place to. To like for for child care and for, for like growing up uh in terms of that israel is really it's a little place but it's really harsh like the culture is like really you are in the middle east i think people don't actually understand that the health system here in uruguay my wife has migra- migraines you go to like a we have a, a emergencies mobile mobiles. you call the ambulance it's they don't charge like a one 2000k to come they come to you they give you medication and it's more like latin in some things Uruguay is it's really stable politically and yes uh, it, i had like two main goals in my life one was like trying to make it in the scholar field but all the had to raise a family in a really nice setting my wife is, is she's not academic i think that changes if you are like full academic, full academic couple, couple or not or if someone like can can leave and we also have like a, an arrangement that, like a couple arrangement that it's a we wanted to to develop our careers both of us not not one so israel was a possibility but the thing is as is like it's, i think it's still the global north and you need to i had to do a like a postdoc to be able to apply to positions and my, for me, the main thing is in Uruguay. I felt that I could do more for the, for the like public policy than in other countries. The the path to influence public policy, I think in Latin America, but particularly in Uruguay, is really short. If you if you are good, at least if you're not if you are decent, I don't know if I'm good. But I know that I'm not. I don't believe myself to be a bad social scientist. Uh, so if you are decent and you kind of Work with passion and with like rigorous methodology you have the chance to to make a lot and i think that's a really good advantage that surprised me in israel in the global north when i was in my phd and the like seminar of the phd students i always assumed that when you do a paper or you do a study you have to explain in the discussion section how how it will affect public policy uh, that's not the case in In uh, the global north, perhaps it's like theory per se, but for me, it was kind of crazy. I I grew up and I was like socialized in academia that what we do, even if we like to study more theoretical things or more complex models, you need to, it needs to have an impact on public policy or on the the quality of life of someone. I think that in, I I have high, like far more chances to do this in Uruguay than done in Israel or in the States or wherever it was, and uh, actually I think I was right. I, I kind of, it wasn't by myself, but it kind of pushed for kids on language Y to take place. I, I, I have I have tried tried. Tra- 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 I brought a this to project and headspera Manderson, foundational kids to achieve outcomes. I conducted some service I I'm now I also a, like a a a board of like scholars and practitioners and public policy people trying to do like digital citizenship awareness. And it's I have more I will have more impact locally here, like not locally, in the in the place I am living in Uruguay. But I also wanted the other thing, like trying to have a global network. And I was lucky with Global Kids Online, Patricio Cabello, Alexander Barbosa, Fabio Sene from Brazil, Chile, they were really helpful. And Guillerme Canela from UNESCO. There are a lot of people with similar concerns. And even if they are not of scholar studying digital media in Uruguay, I was able to like to build a network for Latin American researchers. And also with the help of Sonia Livingstone and Ellen Skelsberg and Gustavo and other people to discuss not only locally, but also globally. There's a really good article in a blog called Razones y Personas that I also write but for Maria Jose Alvarez that this idea of public public globally or perish locally or or publish locally and perish globally, we have to pay some cost of living here. But I think the cost is it's okay that we, we can publish globally, but also help locally.
0: Now, following up on that, why do you think the distance between the world of the academy and the world of public policy is so much shorter in Latin America than it is, say in the US or in Western Europe. Okay.
1: There are probably several factors, and this is like an educated guess. One of this, the biggest factors in Uruguay is we are a small country. We call our we call our country Paisito. If you want to <laughs> identify someone is Uruguayan or is trying to pass us in Uruguayan, if you we we say Paisito, more if we are above that. Than here and there are there aren't a lot of people i think that as an industry academia is not highly developed or specialized and that's probably a a big factor also there are a lot of places that they hire like scholar or phd students or also we don't have a lot of like this idea of doing a phd outside university and returning is really new and as i told you i think you, you could easily tell which scholars like did a PhD abroad and return and the way that they think. And I this, they discuss also the, that dialogue with the, the world as a whole, not only local. And the thing is, there are a lot of places to be employed after if you do like a more a, a scholarly or academic career and the government tends to be, I think this sepal, Sepalino, Eklak, sepal, sorry, in English is Eklak like a style of doing kind of public policy, but from a like at least a theoretical an academic or scholar theoretical perspective has really influenced at least in the in, I speak out Latin America, but only I think it's it's more true to think about the conosur, the southern cone, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, in some parts. It's more Uruguay Argentina, Chile, Paraguay and Brazil, but Brazil is another con it's a continent by itself. It's I think we don't look enough to Brazil. And in this type of things I do, Brazil has the best like research research center, CETIC.br. They, they do like kids online once a year. It's it's amazing. And they but the thing is it's shorter. The path, perhaps we are more used to there's no ivory towers. Like in academia, the towers will fall if they if they are <laughs> like if they were really really tall. I think that the lack of resources is really bad, by another aspect lack of resources, forces you to to speak with everyone. In Uruguay, Kids Online Uruguay, it's a really like a multi-stakeholder project. I was like the Catolica and myself were the like more scholar part. There was AGESIC, it's the the government, Plan Ceibal was another part. We had like the two main public organizations working with children, one part of the project. So like, Changing that into policy was really easy. UNICEFURUY, UNESCO were really critical, but they have contact with like the, the education ministry and authority. It, it, it was difficult. There were five organizations with really different agendas. So, uh, sorry, Osea, it's a really uhwild. But uh, but we had to work together. We have to make some to meet in the middle, but it was a really good experience. And I think it's in terms of like, the project as a whole, not only the, the, the like the study, it was really successful. And um, also in AGESIC, and I wa- I worked for AGESIC, and I was I was working as a consultant. We were really close. And Planseval, the the head of research, we also had worked previously. And this idea of having worked with people and like having like good connections with people, if you are not bad, you, you, like the, the the weak ties, the the strength of weak ties. In Uruguay, they are stronger. I know I would say because uh, if you don't make a bad impression, there are not a lot of people, and you kind of like. We were we spoke the same languages. We are all also sociologists. In Uruguay, there are not there are not a lot of people with a communication background that study these kind of things. We are mostly sociologists. I think it's a problem. There are also no economists, and um, not a lot of poly, uh, po- political scientists in the world. Some of the things I study is science or communications or also psychology but here it's good but it's not good because I think we don't have enough people if we had more people like start like uh, going through academic academic careers on this I also could do more. So this is also important you you also tend to re- to develop to return whatever people did good to you so if you if you bump into good people, you also tend to, I think it's it's basic. Uh, I know it's not being a good people, it's basic. It's like how you say, uh, empathy, uh, being empathic. If you know you were what 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 the, the same thing that the center does is you try to to help others the way that you were helped. And when even a, s- a small community of people that work together and help each other, it's a, a colleague of mine, a non-academic in a it's difficult to don't feel that you are doing something good here in the e-government agency and when you have this community and you feel you are not so much concerned about like credit or like being your own goals it is easy to create a community there are people i had really bad experiences i was almost like kicked out of my kicked out of my job cuz i i got into a field that was from other person like from other people this happens and it's it's not okay i think it, it's happening less but as there were there are not a lot of researchers, some people think that this topic is theirs and that's also problematic. And perhaps I was privileged in order not to be scared by that, but it can be scared because if you are you, you, your income depends on these kind of things and you like kind of mad the, the head of the field, but this, there are these people, and then there's Gustavo and every, everyone on the, the IPES that I met. I was really lucky. And I think it's not part is my merit, but like huge amount is I was lucky to meet with certain people that kind of directed me towards this path, I think it's good.
0: Excellent, so now, so that is the experience of being a Latin American scholar working in Latin America, not only in Latin America, in the Southern Cone, not only in the Southern Cone, in the smallest country <laughs> third, population of the Southern Cone. Um, but roughly 1% of the population of the US, give or take. Yeah. So you mentioned several times the Kids Online Project that uh, led by Sonia Livingstone and the Distal Network led by Ellen Helsper, uh, both at the LSE, these are, particular Kids Online, a very large and very prominent international collaboration. So what is the experience of being part of a you know, high-end global collaboration from probably one of the smallest country that, but these countries that participates in the network, at least in the bottom quantile, I would assume, in terms of population? Um, what has been the experience of you know, participating at the global scale from a small country in Latin America?
1: I think there were, everyone was really helpful and even they really wanted for us to take part. It's a big project governance stuff is complex because Global Kids Online started as like a four pilots, the Argentinian one that didn't continue after this, this small study and so Africa I think Philippines and our, and our uh, Eastern European country, but then a lot of countries started to, uh, that was my first reaction. I want this, like, I want this for me, for my country. We need this. We have developed, a, well, like gave one computer to every children in the in public schools. We are one of the less unequal countries in the most unequal region in the world, but we have no information about what children do online. And I think when, when you have this, really good project and you have this passion people actually i think sonia was we i met sonia in the presentation of the chilean kids online and the people from chile really wanted for us like really help us chile and brazil to start to work towards kids online we need the money and that was funding this is really expensive luckily unicef had a like a fund because it was the, the special issue of the they produce uh, uh, the state of children worldwide. And that at that time was that. And also the really critical, like, persons are like, people are more important than you think in, in these kind of things. Guillerme Canela from UNESCO Communications. He was based in Uruguay. And uh, Cristina Ponte from Portugal. They were kind of really good connections to, and they wanted for us to get in more Latin American countries to get into the project. Also, you need to have a team willing to to sweat because it, it's it's a lot of work uh also I, I was lucky to have contact with other organizations of like i work in a i knew people from say so i think that after after that and they saw that they were really a multi-stakeholder project and i think it, it was interesting why you know people in the us they don't have to justify why you are studying us things like it's uh, we need to explain why our countries are interesting, and more so Uruguay. We're really small, but I think that from a like more scientific perspective or social science perspective, Uruguay is interesting. We have like we have a lot of like national level public policies rather than ICT, like on e-government, on device provision. plants Valley is more than one laptop per child because they also provided fiber to fiber-optic connection to the schools and educational software and. A lot of things that if you study these issues, it should be interesting to, to, to see what's happening there. Also, people don't know that we have a, one of the strongest educational inequalities in Latin America. We waste first on people who finish public school, like elementary school, but it's the last close to, like, really poor Central American countries in terms of how many finish high school. People don't believe me. So probably you would say, no, Go find like statistics and like education equality is awful here. Like, I don't know why? But I, I have friends. We are doing a paper on a uh, paper on how like Seval device provision by Seval makes an impact. But people want to want expect to to plant Seval one laptop per child in decrease education equality. It won't because you need other things, not only devices. But Uruguay is interesting in terms of of anything related to how like technology affects childhood or inequality or government safety etc so for me I was like a small children with candy in a candy shop when I met Ellen and I wanted to do this to hear it was for me that's the thing I wanted to do like this idea of a sequential nature of digital inequalities and this idea of asking children what they do online instead of of believing that Everyone with that in my case was if you had a Game Boy, you are kind of stupid, and your brain is uh, is Evolving. Uh, uh, in, in there are still people saying this right now. And there's a French guy saying that you lose gray matter if if you are a lot of like several times in the on screen time, and it's actually it's in BBC News in Latin America, and people are concerned and they call me. But what happened? You say that this and the other, so i think it's if you make it a win-win situation and you uh and you show them that, that it's otherwise still important every country is important but it's it's like a a testing hub for central things i think it could, and sonia and ellen hesper i think were really helpful in everything uh, guillermo canela Cristina ponte too and alexander barbosa austetic like it's not a Uruguayan project. I always say that Kids Online Uruguay is like the child of, of the effort of a Latin American network and Brazil and Chile. Because also we need to translate to Spanish. This it's like we, it, when you do comparative studies, a lot of things can kind get of lost in translation. And you need to, to do like a lot of effort, like going to interviewing and like trying to improve the quality of the questionnaire. And the the network was already in this kind of framework like a mind frame that we need to do this kind of work for me it was a really good experience and it it led me to like to publishing papers not only like great publications only like scholarly publications Uh, and for me it was a really good experience
0: excellent now there is a theme that i see emerging in many of um your answers and in the conversation in general, which is the importance of people and relationships. And it seems to me that you have been very good at, um, very successful, let me put it this way, at um, building relationship towards um, doing scholarly work. So if you had to synthesize do's and don'ts so these are the main things that have worked for me, and these are some things that I work that I that I learned that don't work when you're trying to um, build scholarly networks. What would you say are those dos and don'ts? Okay, first some
1: clarification. I am really introverted, besides in the scholar field. Like no, I, I, this is I like this, and I'm I, I I know that I'm more extroverted here. Perhaps I'm more rational. And I, 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 it's common. I am like a fish in water. It's not the same, like on offline. I really thought I was really bad at making good connections or networks. And it's difficult for me to make new friends outside these settings. So the first is don't be afraid if you are like more timid or introverted, perhaps in, in other spaces, you may be better. Or I, I, I never consider myself good at making networks, but yes, I think that I, I I established certain networks, but I also failed. And I had these really bad experiences with people that they were in the same mindset on how academia and scholarly works. In Latin America, I think they are still prevalent. This old way of thinking about academia and scholarly, like the supervisor kind of takes all the credit for you and in different fields, it's different. For example, in sociology, in if you want a paper everyone that's worked in the paper is a, an author in other fields it's a common practice for example in economics that only the, the pops or the big ones uh, for me it was like wow, well, i don't know how how this is happening and i, I afterwards i found out that in some of the people I, I don't like to work they also tend to to take the credit for, for the work and try to find people who kind of want to push you up and and to want to collaborate not only for their own sake but also this idea I think is Latin American or at least South or Latin America to improve like the, this like the welfare of the country or inequality like to make something better I think if you if you work with those people and you find like common goals it will be easier regarding those this is something I did like not uh, constantly but I. Afterwards, I was I was taught that this you need to go to conferences from outside your country. Like we don't have a lot of money to travel, but uh Juan Bogliacini is a co-worker of mine in, in the social department now, but he told me go to the same conference, the big conference and on one of the global north each year and try to make net- networks there. And that in terms of publication, it actually worked. Now I it's not that I am a Latin Americanist, not because I study, but I, I know a lot about Latin America, not only why. I work kids online. I wrote I some papers on Brazil, on Chile, eh, the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica. And after that, you start to get into into networks. If you are decent, I think it's good, it's And you need to, I think also there are some gender issues. Perhaps men are prone to, I speak, I don't know how to it's difficult for me to find like silences and not speak. I, that's why I don't think I'm good uh, like making networks, but perhaps that's also there are some studies that these kind of differences tend to have consequences in terms of uh, biases to to gender or outcomes. So but don't be afraid to to go. you need to read the, the room, but there are people that are willing to talk with you even if they are like really high STEAM scholars, not everyone that people are not really really nice but in my experience the vast majority are nice people gustavo helped me he didn't knew me and when you when you are used to this you tend to to give it back and the more people that I think it's a, a social network thing the more people that are, that are in this kind of behaviors and good academic practices the more the more people will get in and perhaps reading these kind of things, who, who wants the best for for the project, and you not only for for him or herself. Uh, I think it's it's important. And go, don't only go to like Latin American associations. Go there, but also try to. This 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 article of Maria Jose Alvarez. She says you need to publish in English, not because English is the main. Language is a lingua franca. I think that's important. Also, you the not there are not only poor people in Latin America or people with needs in Latin America. And if you want to be read by someone in like in in, in, in like Southeast Asia or Eastern Europe, you need to be able to, to discuss with them and you enrich your experience with that. And I think we are not taught that in Latin American universities, more so in the like in the big public French-like schools that we have that you need to discuss with your peers. And it's, it's really important. Don't go to like to the North or to the Imperio. But there are people not only in the Imperio but in the Global South that you can also make networks and also people in, in the North. And we are kind of, there are some people that believe that statistics, these are like like a phrase, are the tool of the empire kind of things. and Going to the world and returning to the country think, it's a like you see the things that you that they're really good in your country, and you want to, to maintain, and the things that you think it, it will be okay to to change or to integrate with other communities. It's difficult even how the the privilege. I think it's privilege to be able to to outside. in Uruguay, more less than ten percent of the population has a like a degree like BA, and that that's part of a, a like structural education inequality. A like really short anecdote when I went to Gustavo, he made me first have a survey and like a digital inequality survey and see if there's something strange. I went to him really scared. Gustavo, there is a problem. 40% of this sample, I have an a, an, an academic degree, a like university program. He laughed to me and said, You you come from the from the global south. Here in Israel, 40% of the population has an academic degree. I thought that was something was was not okay. And, and you see there are different realities, different ways right. to approach issues and...
0: Right, 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 right. So, so then if you have magical powers, Matthias, and could and be granted one wish about how you would like the study of digital inequality and digital media in general to change, what would you wish for? As a whole or, or in my country? <laughs> Pick, pick whichever framework
1: okay i think as a whole i think we need to these communities of different like corners of the digital media or digital inequalities field need to get together like librarians need to work more with communi- com- communication researchers and sociologists with political scientists and psychologists in some places this happens but in others as it happened to me if I didn't I didn't use the adequate keywords and I like instead of like 20, 30 programs, I got left with four. And the same happens with like a, the field. I think it's it lessen us if we don't kind of make the effort to discuss things with people from other fields. Even for example, software engineers and people who are from hard science, they tend to work on this. They tend to do some things that we believe that are not really good. And, I think we could help them and they can help us. And in some places, in some centers, particularly really well-funded universities or centers, this is this idea that it doesn't matter which field or wherever you come, you can work together. I think in other regions, and in less like economically affluent countries, this is not the case. There are really like segregated communities. And myself, I always felt like Sapola like so I never fit. Exactly in the same thing, so I'm used to it. Like, I I can discuss psych- with psychologists, software engineers, communication like researchers, political scientists. My B.A. in sociology had like half of the theory was from political science, but that that's not the case. And people still kind of, in, at least in Latin America, really used to like these discipline barriers. And In the world, it's really common that someone who studied like engineer ends up like doing humanities in, in a PhD. But in other regions, it's not so. Uh, that I think it's really important. And if I'm talking about Uruguay and nutrition, I think we should do a lot to make to to be able to make that everyone has a chance to at least study one semester or do some one kind of degree abroad and return. Also, I think for people in the global north, they should go abroad and, and return. But uh, that's not only for like digital media, but I think it's especially difficult for our field because things change rapidly. And for example, if you are studying like a course on digital media, but you use literature from like 2001, it's not the same world. Like it's completely different things. And some people tend to in this really big university, but the programs are not up to date. I don't know if it's because most of the literature is in English and people don't like to read in English or or you can't put literature in English, that's an issue, but it's like starting a race, uh, like a car race by foot. It's it's not okay. And the, the the outcomes of what we produce, like in these fields, if we are not up to date, will will be hindered, like will be lower. I think that is important, but as I say, I, I recognize that I had a lucky, I know if luck, I have my family that helping support, I got a scholarship, uh i like this i think i'm kind of with it not everyone has the same situation and this is important this kind of pressure that like make visibility also scholarship for people like first generation i don't know if i am first generation or not i think that i am but in my case my family always said that they will support me my study and it was one i know it's new i want to study but that's not the case uh some people have to work Really, a lot to get to like to finish a BA. I was lucky to to do work, but do with both BAs, the so two BAs, and I think it's these two things: like okay. lower the barriers of entry for for our like for different fields, and trying to encourage Latin American researchers to to discuss more like globally
0: all right thank you very much my friend this was a fascinating conversation thank you to all our listeners for staying with us to the end and i invite everybody to join us for the next episode of cafe latinx thank you matthias
1: thank you paul thank you all uh, the latinx edition additional meal
0: El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcicki, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mora Matassi.